We, we had talked a little bit about um, over the, the, the first quarter of this year, we would be looking at uh, the four parts of our, our vision. Coastline's got a four-part vision, and it's on the screen right now. We have a vision to impact future generations for Christ. We have a vision to present Christ in a relevant way to the culture he's placed us in. We have a vision to represent Christ in every neighborhood on the Space Coast, and we have a vision to show the compassion of Christ through action to the hurting, hopeless, and needy. We talked about Zacchaeus two weeks ago in presenting Christ in a relevant way to the culture he's placed us in. Next week, you do not want to miss next week. Next week, we're going to focus in on the part of the vision. We have a vision to impact future generations. Coastline spends a lot of our resource on children and young people. We believe in them. Uh, we always have. We always will. You're going to get to hear some cool stories. You're going to get to be a part of a small part of a children's service right here, and then also part of a youth service. Our youth band's going to lead worship, and you do not want to miss that. You may want some earplugs, but you do not want to miss it. You want to come and encourage them. And then, and then also, uh, uh, you're, you're just going to be able to be a part of a kid service and a youth service, and it's going to be great. Please come. Be prepared to encourage our young people, encourage our children, our children's pastor. You'll see some video of what goes on in our early childhood development, zero to five. It's just a great day to see where some of your resource is being spent. Good? Yeah. So today, we're going to look at, we have a vision to represent Christ in every neighborhood on the Space Coast. There you go. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I screamed the whole first service. I did not scream the whole first service. My throat's just dry. So we're going to focus in on this, and there's a really, really, really neat story. And the, the, the title of this message is The Audience of Hope. The Audience of Hope, and, and, and saying that, saying that we all in our neighborhoods, our workplace, and the environment, but focusing mainly on households and neighborhoods. We all have an audience, and, and much of that audience look, is looking for hope. Much of our world's looking for hope. Uh, hope is the oxygen of the human soul. Hope is the fuel that keeps us going. And so you, you think about this audience, and so there's this really neat story about Cornelius and Peter. So how many of you have ever heard of Cornelius in the Bible? All right, so that's about a third of you. Good. And then there's another third that are never going to raise your hand no matter what I ask you. And so maybe a third of you have never heard of Cornelius. That's okay. Uh, but it's a really unbelievably awesome story, and it's in the 10th book of the, the book of Acts, the 10th chapter in the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. And this story is primarily about Cornelius and his household and about Peter. And, and so we'll start out. We'll read verses 1 through 5 in Acts 10, and we'll read that, and then I'll catch you up to speed because it's, it's the entire chapter of uh, Acts 10. We don't have time to read it all. And so I'll tell some of the story, but let's start with verse 1 in the 10th book of Acts. Here we go, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your word. Let it be a change agent in our lives so that we can change the world that you've placed us in. Amen. 
Cornelius. So who was Cornelius? Cornelius was a centurion. Cornelius, most importantly, in this story, was a Gentile. Now, that may not mean much to you if you've not studied the Bible, but Jews and Gentiles didn't mesh. Jews had nothing to do with Gentiles. But he was a faithful man. He was a prominent man. He was a man that had people under his authority. He was a devout man, for he prayed every day. He was a generous man, for the Bible says he gave to the poor. And so, so we can surmise from verses 1 through 5 that God knew Cornelius, and Cornelius knew about God, for he prayed to God. And so it's very important. to. And so, so the parallel I want to draw today is many times when we, we think about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, we think about the down and out, and we think about people who, who are maybe addicted, or we think about people who are just really mean, or we think about this person or that person. Well, today you're going to see someone experience Jesus Christ for the first time who was a good person. And I would submit to you today that we are surrounded by people, even in our neighborhoods, good people. Good people who, who know, know about God. Good people who do good things. Good people who are involved in the community. Good, they're good people, but they don't know Jesus. And the Bible is very plain. It makes it incumbent upon us as Christians to, to shine that light. The Bible says we're the light of the world. Who's going to light a lamp and hide it? The Bible also says we're the salt of the earth. And the Bible says if, the salt, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it anymore? And so here, here we have Cornelius. So we've set it up. Now let me tell you what's going on. So Cornelius has an angel show up. And, and as we've discussed before, anytime an angel shows up in the Bible, somebody gets scared, right? I mean, it's true. Every time. Uh, we, I, the little fat things that have wings that are going flower beds, that's not an angel because that's not going to scare anybody. Okay? Like, you cannot buy an angel at Lowe's. It's going to scare anyone. They don't, they don't sell very well. But in the Bible, anytime we see an angel, so Cornelius gets scared. And, and so while this is going on, Peter's ministry is exploding. Peter, who de- denied Christ, Peter in the garden cut the ear off, Peter the disciple. So if you hadn't heard of Cornelius, maybe you've heard of Peter. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. Peter, who people are laying out in the street just so his shadow can pass by and heal them. Peter, who is seeing God do all kinds of amazing things. So he's staying at, at someone's house in Joppa, and it's time to eat. And so they say, hey, let us fix you something to eat. So Peter goes to take a rest. And Peter falls into what, what, what some translations say a trance, some say a dream. But he, he falls into a relaxed state. And in this, in this trance or dream, he has a vision. And in this vision, he sees a sheet. And how many corners does a sheet have? Four. And so as this sheet is coming down from heaven, the four corners of the sheet begin to open. It's a cool story. Stay with me. And as the four corners of the sheet open, inside of the sheet are all manner of animals. And, and insects and, and creepy, crawly things, all manner of things that God had created to, to, to be on this earth. And Peter heard the Lord say, arise and eat. And Peter said, Lord, surely I shall not. Or I'm not you know me, I've never eaten anything. He's bragging on himself. Because in the Jewish culture, you just didn't eat certain things. I've never eaten anything that was unclean, that was uncommon to man. And then God said, what God has made clean, no man can make unclean. So this goes back and forth a few times. And after, after the third time, the sheet is folded back up and goes back up into heaven, and Peter wakes up or comes out of, of this vision. Now, so, so Peter wakes up, 
And when he wakes up, he goes out into the courtyard and there are three men standing at the gate of the yard that, at the house he's staying at. And guess where they came from? Cornelius' house. Cornelius sent, at the word of the Lord, sent someone to go find this man, Peter. Go send for him. And so then there's dialect that goes back and forth. Peter's a Jew. Cornelius is a Gentile. This is not good. What we're about to see is we're about to see a threshold cross that had never been crossed before. Cornelius is the first convert outside of the Jewish nation in the Gospels. You and I sit here today in reference to this story because we've been grafted in. So if Cornelius doesn't sound very exciting, wake up. Because it has a lot to do with the reason that we're here today. And so, so Peter has this dialect. Well, you guys are Gentiles. I'm paraphrasing. I'm a Jew. And you know, I'm not, I'm not even supposed to associate with you, much less come to your house. But God has showed me through this vision what he has made clean. No man can say is unclean. And so, okay, I'll go with you. But why don't you guys stay the night first? They stay the night. The next day, they take off. And they're headed to Cornelius' house. A man of faith. A faithful man. A, a prosperous man, a man of authority. And so now we pick it up in verse 30, Acts 10, we pick the story up. Peter shows up and basically says, what do you want from me? Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Wow. In other words, there's an audience. Cornelius, I believe it's the King James, says everyone who was under his care his children, his wife, the people he was in charge of, everyone that was under his care is all gathered together. And Cornelius looks at Peter and says, now, let's get it on. We're all here and we're all ready, Peter. Why did an angel show up to me? And what do you have to say to me? For I know that you're a Jew and you're not even supposed to be here. And I'm a Gentile. What do you have to say that's so important that God would send an angel to me? What, what is it? Why do we look at this story in reference to representing Christ in our neighborhood? Well, I think one thing that we can take from this story is you're about to hear Peter give the gospel. In, in such a way that it can't be denied. And so first of all, we need to be prepared at some point. Now, I'm not saying the first time you get invited to someone's house, stand up and go, and he was crucified. (laughs) Don't do that. Like, you know, like if you're going to a neighbor's house today for a Super Bowl party, don't turn the TV off and (laughs) don't do that. (laughs) You may get crucified (laughs) if you do that. But, but this, this, this is about to go down and and, and this is an amazing happening. And so... The audience of hope is there. And so Cornelius says, look, tell me, what has the Lord commanded you to tell us? So here we go. Number one, in the hope of the gospel, the audience finds acceptance. Acts 10, 34 through 35, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. 
In the hope of the gospel, the audience finds acceptance. So the first thing that Peter does is he, he actually, I believe, is dealing with his own revelation and going ahead and speaking it out of his own mouth because speak the, the spoken word has power. And sometimes God will do something in your own heart, but until you speak it publicly or speak it to someone that you really respect, it doesn't really take shape. So Peter, is he's just getting it out of himself. In other words, he's, he's speaking, yes, I know I'm supposed to be here, and now I see God does not show favoritism to anyone, but accepts everyone no matter what color, where they're from, who they are. And so I'm just here to tell you today, that you need to be the type of person that explores a Jesus and then explains a Jesus to the neighborhood that you live in that, that he is all accepting. Peter said, and, and, and some of you are sitting here right now, well, yeah, I already knew that. You cannot understand the significance of this story unless you realize that Peter was putting his own ministry and his own name at stake by be, even being in Cornelius' house. He was, he was putting everything on the line. He believed this so much. And so the first thing he says, all right, Cornelius, you know I'm not supposed to be here. I know I'm not supposed to be here, but God has shown me he shows no favoritism. And so the idea is the audience of hope finds acceptance, acceptance in the gospel. You remember recess? Does anybody remember recess or are you just too old? All right, so those of you who didn't raise your hands, there's pockets of you. It's, it's funny because you all sit together. <laughs> so, so, so at recess, I love recess. I hated PE because PE, they made you do what you did. They, it was something, yeah, regimented. I think recess was just created for teachers, right? Because I can remember teachers that were supposed to be watching us during recess. They weren't watching us. They're like having a smoke break or something. They were doing <laughs> something over there. That's what we were doing too. A lot of times, telling the truth. No, but, but you know, you know, you know, like football. You know, you somebody would have a football and you'd pick up teams. You know, and and then you know, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you. And I always felt bad for the last person picked. You know, and and then yeah, you come on, you're on my team, and you always told that last person. Ooh, they'd say, well, "What do you want me to do?" And you always told them, "Go long." <laughs> right? You just go long. Every time. <laughs> and you know, we don't change much as adults. We always strive to be accepted. We create things called country clubs and status. We, 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 we judge people and size them up by what they drive or how they dress. And we, and we, we create a culture that says, I need to be accepted. Do you know the, the reason that we, we buy into that in this culture is because God created in us a need to be accepted by him. It's innate in us to be accepted. And so the audience of hope through you should find the gospel of Jesus Christ is accepting. God shows no favoritism. He is no respecter of person. He sent his son to die for each and every one of us that breathe the air of this earth. Number two, the audience of hope may know about God, but not know God. Acts 10, 36 and 37, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So Peter says, listen, God shows no favoritism, and now he is acknowledging that Cornelius 
is knowledgeable about God, for he's praying to God. He, he's giving to the poor. He is a good person. So Peter's acknowledging, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Verse 37. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. In other words, Peter's backing up and he's laying a foundation because he's about to tell about Jesus, what Jesus Christ has done and how to be saved and how to be forgiven. But he's going back and he's building a foundation off of the goodness of Cornelius. He said, listen, God shows no favoritism. And by the way, you've heard what's going on, haven't you? Remember we talked about Zacchaeus and how Zacchaeus was so interested. And if you weren't here that Sunday, listen to that online. It's the heartbeat of our church. Zacchaeus was so interested in who Jesus was, he was willing to climb a tree. He was willing to be childlike. The world is interested, extremely interested in Jesus. And so, so, so Peter's saying, surely you've heard what's been going on in Judea that started in Galilee. Surely you've heard. I know that you've heard about this really weird guy out in the wilderness named John who's eating honey and locusts and he's baptizing people. Surely you've heard about this. I know you have. And so Peter's building a a platform that is acknowledging the knowledge that Cornelius and those that he's speaking to, the knowledge that they have about God. And, and And we're surrounded by people who know about God, but do they know God? And the Bible says the only way to know God is to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. For no one comes to the Father except through the Son. So we are surrounded by some really, really, really nice, good people involved in the community. Serve, give, do all kinds of things. But they've never been introduced to Jesus. I mean, think about it. Most people know what Christmas is, right? Right? Most people know what Christmas is. And there's a, a good witnessing tool right there, Christmas, Christ, Christmas. Most people know what Easter is, right? Most people know that there's a book called the Bible. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, most, most of these good people would know that. And, 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 and maybe they've never read it, but they would acknowledge that it's there. But, but in verse 36, if you go back to verse 36, Acts 10, it said, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You can't have peace with God without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can know about God, but the Bible says you can't know God without knowing Jesus. And so this is what Peter's saying. I know you've heard about this, and I know you've heard about John baptizing people. So he's moving. He's moving into this area. Now, now, now here he goes, number three. Number three. There's power in the hope of the gospel. Acts 10.38. So he goes from being accepted. He goes through John baptizing. And then he gets to how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Think about it just for a second. There is power in the hope of the gospel. When's the last time you prayed with a neighbor? When's the last time you prayed with a co-worker? 
And you say, well, what if I pray with them and my prayer for them doesn't get answered? It's not your job to answer your prayers. It's just your job to pray with people. I've never ran into anyone in my entire life, being a pastor or not a pastor, who was in a difficult situation who refused prayer. If someone's in a bad situation and someone is down and out and you offer to pray with them, they're like, what the heck? What can it hurt? I had this neighbor one time and he was a case. I'm talking about, he reminded me of back in the day. He was a, I mean, he was, he was a case. And, and I, I built this relationship with him. I, I'm not sure that he uh, even knew what I did because it's just a weird thing that happens when I tell people I'm a pastor, they just immediately shut up. <laughs> They're like, so should I call you father, neighbor, or priest, or what should I call you? Jason's good. I'll go with Jason. That's what, that's what my daddy calls me. <laughs> But, but, but so I started building this relationship, you know, and, and, and every once in a while. And so we were talking one day, and I said, hey, man, what's wrong? Because I could tell someone was really nice, man, just hit a, a rough spot financially, and I got this boat, and I really need to sell. And I had seen this boat, and this wasn't like a John boat. Right? This was a boat, like three-figure boat, 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 like a boat like I have waiting for me in heaven. <laughs> just get it out there. <laughs> this is this is a I you know and so um so he's man I, I really I've, I've just got some things going on financially I really need to sell this boat I really really I've had it up for sale for a few months now and if it doesn't sell soon I don't know what I'm going to do and so we talked a little bit more and I said well hey before he we just parted ways you know yeah you because know, you know how you do it with your neighbors you know you talk for a second but then you kind of know it gets awkward and it's time to split like yeah see y'all know what I'm talking about okay. So the awkward moment hit, and it was time for us to not talk anymore. And so I said, hey, can, can, I, pray, can I pray for you and about this boat? And he was like, he's looking at me. And finally he goes, well, well, yeah. Big dude. He was a case. So I put my hand on his shoulder. And he's like, well, should I put my drink down or not or whatever? <laughs> No, no. Hey, hang on to that thing. So I put my hand on his shoulder, and I kept one eye open. <laughs> this dude was big. And, 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 I said, and I said, Lord, you know so-and-so, and you know you've known him since he was born, and you've, you've known him since you formed him in his mother's womb, and you know what's going on in his life right now, and you know he really, really, really needs to sell this boat. Father, and you know there's somebody out there that you've blessed that can afford that boat, and that boat's going to be a blessing to them. And Lord, so I pray that you'd work it out for both parties, and I just pray you'd sell that boat. In Jesus' name, amen. So I opened the one I had close. <laughs> and I'm not saying anything, there's nothing special about my prayers. And it don't, your prayers are as important as anybody else's prayers, right? Because when you live th- close to the throne, short prayers work. So, I'm like, kid you not, two days, the boat's gone, sold. I mean, in a boat that costs that much money, you know, there should have been some financing involved and should have been this or that. Somebody had been looking for that exact boat. They knew all about the boat. They had the boat inspected one afternoon. The next afternoon, wrote a check. The boat's gone. Gone. Now, again, nothing special about my prayer, but that messed with his head. There's power in the hope of the gospel. Don't be afraid to pray with people. 
Fast forward three or four months, Thanksgiving, my son's in the hospital. He said, happy Thanksgiving. I said, hey, man, happy Thanksgiving. Where? He said, where are you guys going? I said, I saw your folks are in town. I said, man, we're going to the hospital. What's wrong? My son's in the hospital. You know what he said? He said, it was hard for him to get out. He said, I'll pray for him. And you have no idea what it took for that man to say that. And do you know that in that moment, I would have just soon had him praying for my son as any of you? As any saint that walked the face of this earth, I believe God looked down upon him and heard that prayer because it was heart sent from someone who really meant it. There's power in the hope of the gospel, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. What was Jesus' vision? We talk about vision. What was his vision statement? Well, in Luke 4, chapter 4, verse 18, Luke walks, I mean, Jesus walks into the temple, and, and it was his, he walks up at the appointed time to read, he unrolls the scroll, and he begins to read from the scroll, Isaiah, and it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, then the Bible goes on to say in verse 19, he rolled the scroll back up, and sat down. In other words, you have read about the Messiah in Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah talked about the Messiah. He is on the scene now, and this is what I am here to do. I am here. Jesus says, I'm here to preach the good news to the poor. He wasn't talking about poor monetarily. He was talking about poor spiritually. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to people who are captive to sin, to recover sight for the blind physically and spiritually. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed by the enemy. Jesus is saying, that's what I came to do. And if you're here today and you can pick out uh, along those lines, you say, yep, Jesus did that. Yep, Jesus did that for me. Yep, Jesus did that for me. Yep, Jesus did that for me. I'm asking you this question today. Are you living your life in such a way to be a witness to the amazing power of the gospel and the hope that Jesus Christ brought you? Maybe you can say, you know what? He recovered my sight to the fact I was blinded. The scales were on my eyes. I didn't even know I needed a Savior. The scales fell off. Jesus found me. I was oppressed by the enemy. He set me free. I was addicted. He set me free. I was brokenhearted. I, I, I was, I had given up hope, but he found me, and now I have hope again. He healed my heart. Now I can trust again. He healed my heart. Now I can have hope again. If that's you, that's what Jesus came to do, and if he did it for you, are you being a witness to that? Because if you keep going, this next verse, 39, Peter says, we are witnesses. Because he just got through saying how the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus Christ with power to go throughout the region doing miracles and, and doing all kinds of wonderful things that Jesus said back in Luke 4, 18 that he was going to do. And Peter says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. We are witnesses to that. Are you a witness to the power of of God's spirit working in your life that brings hope to a community? Are you a witness to that? Because P- Peter's laying it down. I mean, he, he's putting it out there. He's saying, look, we saw it. It happened. We saw it with our own eyes. And when people see you or someone else who their life is completely, radically changed, you can't deny a life that's changed. 
You can't deny a life that's tried to get help here and here and here and here and here. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus and wham, things change because Jesus is the X factor in change. So are you being a witness to that? Then he goes on to say, <laughs> Peter, Peter would be a terrible politician. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross. No filter whatsoever, dude. It's like, we saw this great stuff. They killed him. <laughs> they, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. So this is what Peter's telling Cornelius. This is what Peter's telling this good man, Cornelius, and, and his, his, his entire household. And so I'm asking you this today. Are you being a good witness to what Jesus Christ has done in your life? Or are you being a good witness to that? Number four. The audience of hope, the hope of the gospel offers forgiveness through the resurrection. Acts 10, 40 through 43. But God raised him from the dead. Remember, Peter just got through saying they killed him, hung him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. They hung him on, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But then all of a sudden, go back to the point, Larry. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. The hope of the gospel offers forgiveness through the resurrection. Let me just talk to you for just a second. When you decide to put your faith in Jesus, there's no way that you can dodge the idea and the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you can't just say, you know what, I believe Jesus walked the face of the earth. I believe in Jesus. I believe most of the Bible. I'm a good person. I'm telling you, your faith boils down to the fact, and, and, and you, maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you cut your teeth uh, on a church pew, which some of you don't know what that is, but they used to have them, and they were hard, and they were hard, so you would stay awake. <laughs> maybe you grew up in church. Maybe, you, maybe, you know, maybe, but, but still to this day in your heart, And I ask you this question, and I ask you to challenge yourself and think about with some introspect in your own heart, in your own life, have you for sure 100% came to the point where you believe they crucified him, they placed him in a grave, and he rose from that grave on the third day? Because, friend, without faith in the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sin. Because all religions say he was a great prophet. All religions say he was a good man. But not, not they stop right there. Christianity, this Bible teaches us, yes, he was a great prophet. Yes, he was a great man the best man who ever walked the face of this earth. And yes, they did kill him on Friday. But yes, he did come out of that grave on Sunday. Young people in this room, do not be ashamed of the fact that your faith hinges on a God that's alive. He's not in the tomb. He's not still hanging on the cross. He's at the right hand of the Father in heaven making intercession for you and I. He is our advocate. He rose from that grave on the third day. There is power in the hope of the resurrection. You can't skip past the resurrection and say you're a Christian. You can't skip past the power of God that resurrected Jesus Christ out of that tomb so that he is the risen Savior. 
he, we're going to celebrate Christmas. Don't clap because we don't have time. We, we're going to celebrate Easter here in a few weeks. And, and yes, great, we celebrate Easter. But if your faith is rooted in Jesus Christ, celebrate the resurrection every day of your life. Celebrate the fact that our God is alive. Celebrate the fact that we have a God that is living and active in our lives. Live your life in such a way that you actually believe that so those that are watching you know that you believe that. It's not a shoving something down someone's throat. It's a humble, peaceful, at peace, living my life in such a way that my God is alive and my faith largely is based. My blessed hope is the hope that he's coming back for me one day. That's our blessed hope. Well, you can't have hope for someone to come back for you if they never went away. He went away, but he's coming back because he's alive. The hope of the gospel offers forgiveness through resurrection. Go back to verse 43, and then we'll wrap this up. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, Cornelius is a good man. He's a devout man. He's praying. He's helping the poor. Cornelius has said, I, buddy, you got the floor. Tell, Tell me about it. And what did Peter just do? Peter just walked him through. Boom, 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 boom. How, how, and so now Cornelius and all the people listening have to be thinking, oh, wait a minute. You mean I have to know Jesus to know God? You mean I have to know Jesus to be forgiven? And Peter says, yeah, forgiveness of sins through his name. That's why God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die so that we could be forgiven, so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven, not in hell that was never created for his children. Forgiveness of sins through his name. And I'm telling you, so he's preaching the gospel. And, and, and so here's what happens. If you're serving communion, you can be dismissed right now. Would you, would you go quick, please? If you're serving communion, hopefully there's more than two of you. <laughs> Good, thanks. You're like, how is that? <laughs> Number five, <clears throat> the hope of the gospel is for all. The hope of the gospel is for all. We started with acceptance, no favoritism, and we're going to end with the fact the hope of the gospel is for all. Now, check this out. While Peter was still speaking these words, <clears throat> here's Cornelius, here's his family, good people. To this point, the Holy Spirit's been working from the outside in. Jesus, the message of Jesus has not entered in their home or entered in their household. But it enters in. Now the Holy Spirit no longer is working from the outside in. He's working from the inside out. So watch this. So Peter's given the gospel. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Listen. Again, it's not your responsibility to make sure prayers are answered. You're just supposed to pray them. It's not your responsibility for someone to accept Jesus Christ. I ask every week if people need a relationship with Jesus. And some people have asked me before, well, does it it ever discourage you when people don't raise their hand? No. I would not want anyone to raise their hand to accept Jesus if they didn't mean it. it. It's not... 
It's God's work. It's the Holy Spirit's work. And watch, watch what happens. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Light bulb, Holy Spirit. The circumcised, the Jews, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days. You think they did? (laughs) Hey, buddy, you want to hang out with us for a few days? Because this is cool. So, So the gospel is for all. It's very interesting to me. The circumcised, the Jewish people who thought the gospel was only for them, they got perturbed. They got a little upset that this secret society, this club of Christianity, these Jesus followers all of a sudden is now available to Gentiles. I'm telling you, I've seen people in church that, that have spent their whole life in church and, and someone will come along and get saved and God will start using them in a ministry and doing great things in their life. And this person that's been raised in church and been in church her whole life turn around and go, well, God's never done that for me. Maybe that's why. And that's, that's what these, these circumcised believers were saying. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. No, this is our deal. This is our club. This is Jesus is our Jesus. And Peter stops them and says, Surely we cannot tell them they can't be baptized, for they have received the same spirit that we have. The first Gentile convert in the Gospels, Cornelius, a devout man, a man of prayer, a good man. And we sit here in this room today, much to this story. Romans 11 talks a lot about it. We're grafted in. We're grafted into the family of God. And praise be to Jesus that he doesn't show favorites. Because I, I certainly wouldn't be one. And when he found me, I definitely wouldn't have been one. He accepts all and shows no favoritism. The gospel is for all. I could keep going, but I'm out of time. We're about to have communion. It's an open communion. We just go by biblical standards, one of which is you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The other is if there's sin in your life, you, need, you and God need to deal with that before you have communion. The Bible says if you don't, you actually bring sickness upon yourself. Listen to me. That's why we have a quiet time of reflection as you're being served. So don't talk to one another while you're being served. Talk to God. It's you and God time. Let's go back to that first one. Are you saved? Are you at peace with God? Because we just learned, Peter said, look, the forgiveness of sin, the remission of sin, the New King James Version says comes through his name, the name of Jesus. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. You might be a great person. You might be a really good person. You may be a better person than some Christians you know that profess Jesus as their Savior. That's not the point. The point is the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of your heart saying, hey, put your faith in Jesus because no one comes to the Father except through the Son. Can you point to a moment in time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And if you can't, man, what a day to day to to do that. Or maybe you're far from God. You just need to come back to God today. We would love to pray with you, get you some resources to help you on that journey. Would you bow your head all over this place?
Say, Jason, that's me. That's me. I know. I know I need Jesus in my life. I know I need some change. If that's you and you're here today and you say, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for change and I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Would you slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? I see your hand. Put it right back down. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thanks. Anyone else? It's awesome. If you raised your hand, I'm going to pray with you. When I'm done praying, when we dismiss today after communion, come up to this table and get a Bible and a devotion or go out to the tent, get a Bible and a devotion, some resource, talk with someone. But right now, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. And thank you in this moment, I can come to you. And right now, I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in the grave. And I believe that he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe he's coming back for me one day. And so right now, God, take my life. And thank you that I'm at peace with you now, God, because I put my faith in Jesus. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that are flooding my soul right now. And thank you for your forgiveness that has come to my life through the name of Jesus Christ.